Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. When considering the ministry of the Lord Jesus, it's very important to consider the expectations of the people, the messianic expectations of the people during the time that he was conducting his ministry. It's very important to understand that because it gives you greater insights into why the disciples responded to many things that the Lord Jesus was trying to communicate to them so you can better appreciate their reactions and their responses to him in light of the things that he said. The general messianic expectation of the people in the land of Israel during the time of the Lord Jesus was that the Messiah would come and reestablish the Davidic kingdom which would mean that he would overthrow any oppressors over the land of Israel. He would overthrow them by war and then reestablish a sovereign country that would be a kingdom over which he would rule as the king over Israel. That was their assumption. That was their perspective. In general, that's what people believed and expected the Messiah to accomplish for them, to effectively set them free, to reestablish the law of Moses as the law of the land that everyone would live in obedience to, and he would function as a true and righteous executive presiding over the nation to ensure justice for all. That was the general expectation that the people had when the Lord Jesus was conducting his ministry. And at some point in the future, the Lord Jesus will reestablish the nation of Israel. He will come and he will live here among us. He will rule as king for a thousand years. We know that this will eventually happen. But before that takes place, the Lord our God is involved with the salvation of the people here on earth. He is presently actively involved in restoring an individual relationship with us, with the people here on this earth. That is what he is doing through the restoration of the spirit of life being offered as a free gift that we can now receive and given that there is no sin left unforgiven that the Lord Jesus did not provide propitiation for when he died on the cross for the sins of the entire world. There is no sin left unforgiven, so there is no sin that could possibly cause this life to depart from within us. This life that we have within us, therefore, the indwelling presence of the life of God, is now an eternal life, something that we experience right now and will carry us on into eternity even after we physically die. That was the critical importance of the cross, that when the Lord Jesus died and took away the sins of the world, there is no sin remaining. The only sin that is technically remaining is the sin of unbelief, which is the rejection of the free gift of eternal life that the Lord our God is offering to us. It is an expression of unbelief to reject the free gift, to not even acknowledge that we have a need for it. Therefore, we remain dead in our trespasses and sins, and those who remain dead up until the point of the judgment that we will all go before when we enter into the kingdom of heaven, at that point a final decision will be made that we will either enter into the kingdom of heaven or we will go to hell. 
That will be the judgment that we will all face when we physically die and depart from this world that we see here and touch right now. And so it's very important to see and understand that the work of the Lord Jesus was very different in contrast with what the people were expecting him to do. His work was the restoration of the life of God that had been lost in Adam. His work was to restore the Holy Spirit. The people's desires with regards to what they hoped that he would do, the work that he would do, would be to reestablish the Davidic kingdom. But that is not what he was there to do at the time that he was here before. Like I said, he will do that in the future. But right now, the most important thing is the salvation of humanity to resurrect us from among the dead so that we can be born again, a child of God, and therefore be the recipients of his inheritance. That's the work that the Lord Jesus is doing. A very good example of this confusion between what the Lord Jesus was doing and what the disciples assumed that he was going to do is given in Acts chapter 1. And in the previous broadcast, I was reading through Acts chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8 in order to describe to you that the Lord Jesus was saying one thing, and yet the disciples did not quite understand what he was saying, asked him a question related to the kingdom of God here on earth, and he continued to try to get them to understand, to explain to them that he was involved in the work of the restoring of the Holy Spirit. They still didn't get it, though. If you continue to read into verses 9, 10, and 11, we again have a very good example of the stage of maturity that the disciples were in at this point in their lives. In Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, this is Acts chapter 1, verse 9, And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was departing, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. The disciples were looking up into heaven, wondering where the Lord Jesus was going. Where was he going? Why was he going? And when is he coming back? The angels came and saw them just staring up into the sky, obviously having no understanding with regards to what the Lord Jesus was talking about, and asked them, why are you just standing there staring up into the sky? Get on with your life. Go on and live your life in light of what Christ Jesus has done for you. Why are you standing here staring up into the sky, wondering what's going on? He's going to come back. Now, they naturally assumed that he would be coming back quite soon, most likely in the near future, so that they could see him return. He did not return shortly thereafter. In fact, he still hasn't come back since then. We are all still waiting for him to return. He will return. But in the meantime, we are to now go and live our lives in light of what he already did for us, not in light of what we think he might do for us in the future. And that's what they were concerned about. What is he going to do for them right now? They had no understanding of the implications of what the Lord Jesus had accomplished for them. They could not understand. There was no way that they technically could understand the full implications, or many implications at all, with regards to what he had actually accomplished for them. That's why he told them to wait in Jerusalem. He told them to stick around and wait because the Holy Spirit would come to them. And this is very important because that is the salvation that the Lord our God 
has been involved in presenting throughout thousands of years prior, he actively participated in the lives of humanity up until this point in history when he provides a solution to the very problem of humanity that began in the Garden of Eden. This is a pivotal moment in the history of humanity. The Lord Jesus died for our sins, rose from the dead, provided us with salvation. This is a big deal. But there is no way that they can understand the depths of what the Lord Jesus has accomplished for them because they're still dead. They're spiritually dead. They are not spiritually alive. This is a very key point. Pay attention to this. And that is when the Lord Jesus began his ministry, he began his ministry here on earth with 12 spiritually dead men who could not understand the things of God because they did not have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to confirm, teach, and guide them. That's very critical. And when he ended his ministry, he ended his ministry with 12 spiritually dead men who did not have the life of God within them, who could not understand the things of God, who at the very best could just stare up into heaven wondering what is going on. Now, if the Lord Jesus told you today, go wait in Jerusalem because he's going to restore the Holy Spirit to you a few days from now. If he told you that today, based on your maturity and your understanding of the Lord Jesus, you would have no problem going to Jerusalem and waiting there until the Lord fulfills what he said that he would fulfill. You would rejoice and go there waiting, and you would wait for years if necessary, waiting for that exciting moment, because he told you face-to-face, personally, individually, that he's going to do something for you. Just go and wait for him to do it. You would have no problem with that at all. If you are born again of the Spirit, you have the Spirit of God indwelling within you. You certainly would understand that. You would recognize that. You would acknowledge that. And you would be able to go in peace to wait for the fulfillment of the prophecy that the Lord Jesus gave to you personally. You would have no problem with that at all. But the disciples did not have the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling within them. They cannot understand the depths of what the Lord Jesus is doing for them. They have no idea what he's doing for them because he's not doing for them what they thought that he would be doing for them. And so at best all they can do is just stare up into the sky wondering, well, what is going on? We have no idea what has just happened or why it's happened or what is taking place or what is going to take place. So, through the encouragement of a couple of angels, who the Lord was gracious enough to send to them to get them back to Jerusalem at the very least, through the encouragement of the angels, they returned and they waited. They did wait. They had a prayer meeting. That's what they did. They didn't know what else to do. And in general, when we don't know what to do, if we think that we're supposed to do something... We usually start with a prayer meeting. We all have to get together and have a prayer meeting and pray and ask the Lord, what are we to do? Well, he told us what to do. He told us to wait. He told the disciples to wait in this context. He told them to wait. They should just simply wait and be thankful and enjoy what they already had instead of hoping that they might be able to get something more, which was not something that he came to accomplish at this point in the history of humanity. And so they returned. They returned to Jerusalem. This is described in Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, beginning in Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And then in verse 14, These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women, 
and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Very interesting to say with his brothers and with his mother, because early on in the Lord Jesus' ministry, they certainly were not very supportive of the work he was doing. But now they appear to be very supportive of the work that he did and of the work that they expect that he will be performing in the future. They're waiting. They're just simply waiting in prayer. Not very long, however. Usually what follows up a prayer meeting is a committee meeting. And sure enough, that's what they had. They had a committee meeting shortly after that because of the concern over Judas who had betrayed the Lord Jesus. This was a very serious matter for the disciples. Judas walked with them for many years, three, three and a half years. Throughout the ministry of the Lord Jesus, he walked with them, he talked with them, he ate with them, he participated with them. They obviously had many discussions throughout those years when they were traveling with the Lord Jesus, the twelve of them. Judas was definitely an integral part of the work that they were doing for many years, and it was very disturbing to them that he would betray the Lord Jesus in the way that he did. It was very disturbing, and so they held a committee meeting to discuss how they would replace Judas as one of the twelve disciples. Now, the Lord Jesus did not tell them to do this. The Lord Jesus told them to just simply wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come and resurrect them and so that they could begin to grow and mature in the faith that had been presented to them, so that they could begin to grow and understand the things of God. They could start out as a new creation, a born-again child of God, right from the start, and so they could begin to walk in the newness of life that was presented before them. That's what the Lord Jesus told them to do, but they decided to do this. Now, it could be that the Lord Jesus inspired them to do this. I honestly do not know the answer to that question. There is not enough information available to give us any more clarity with regards to what motivated them to do this. But what we do know is that the person that they selected did not appear to have any active participation or significant role in the ministry of the gospel shortly thereafter. We don't have any record of him, and so whether or not this was actually inspired by the Lord Jesus, as far as we can tell, there was not very much active participation on the part of the person who was selected in the propagation of the gospel and the implications of the new covenant going into effect. We don't have anything further available in the historical records at our disposal. Now, the betrayal of Judas was a big deal to them, and in the series that I did on the trial of the Lord Jesus, I devoted some time to try and explain why Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus, how he betrayed the Lord Jesus, and the aftermath with respect to how he dealt with the betrayal that he engaged in. The fact that he committed suicide does give us a lot to go on with regards to what may have motivated him previously to betray the Lord Jesus, and in the study that I did on the trial of the Lord Jesus, I spent some time talking about that in detail. And so at this time, I would like to defer you to those broadcasts in order to gain some greater insight, especially in context of the betrayal and the trial and the conviction of the Lord Jesus that led to his crucifixion. I would like to defer you to those programs for further study on this subject. But at this time, I would just like to proceed and just simply mention that it's very important to be attentive to the Holy Spirit of our God, that he is the one who guides us and directs us in our daily lives, and we should be attentive to him, especially in matters such as these. If the Lord our God wants us to select somebody to fill a role or an office, then he will direct us to do so. But if we do this on our own, we should not necessarily have very high expectations with regards to the results that may follow thereafter. 
This is a very important to understand. It's very easy for us to select people to fulfill a role or fulfill an office or fill an office that we have in the ministries that we are actively involved in. And yet in doing that, it is so easy to consider that perhaps the Lord Jesus wants to do something else. In this case, I personally do not believe that the Lord Jesus wanted Matthias to be selected to be numbered with the other 11 apostles. I personally don't believe that that was the Lord Jesus' intent or his desire. Of course, this is just a personal, individual belief. I, again, have no evidence to support it. I'm only expressing to you what I believe in this case. I am saying this myself, certainly not in the name of the Lord. I am only suggesting that perhaps the Lord Jesus was not concerned about the vacancy that was placed there, at least at that time. I believe that the concern of the Lord Jesus was just simply to resurrect his disciples so that they could be born again and function as apostles to go out as ambassadors for the Lord Jesus to present the gospel to the world. I personally believe that that was his primary concern at that moment and that he would select those people that he would want to select to participate in that ministry and that it should not be their concern. If there are to be 12 people or 25 people or 1,200 people that seem to fulfill that kind of a role, then the Lord Jesus is perfectly capable of directing his body of believers, his people, just fine. He did not need an organizational structure in order to make that work. It is my personal opinion that the Apostle Paul was Jesus' selection as a replacement for Judas. I personally believe that that's the case, but again, I don't have any direct evidence to support that claim. It's just a personal opinion. Who it may have been in the context of the Lord Jesus, we don't know for sure right now. Perhaps it would be an interesting question to ask him someday later on. But the important point that I really want to express through this is that the Lord Jesus is actively involved in our daily lives right now, just as he was back then. And who he uses and who he works with is his business, it is his concern. This is a very humbling thing to recognize, especially when we look at ministries, Christian ministries today. In many cases, they are built as though a person is building some kind of an empire. They're building some kind of corporation or organization that they expect will survive for hundreds of years that will function and continue to operate by successors that would be selected by directors who are directing the organization. In many cases, people do look at Christian ministries as empires that are to be built and sustained as long as possible, regardless of what the Lord Jesus may want to do with regards to who he is going to use to communicate his messages to individuals. Now, having said that, I do not want to encourage you or inspire you to evaluate other people to determine whether or not the Lord your God is actually using them or not. That's not what I mean, and that's not my intent. There is no reason for us to ever do that. That is something that the Lord Jesus will do regardless of our opinions. It has nothing to do with that at all. But I do want to mention that because it's very easy for a person to look at their organization. It's very easy for a person to look at their church or another ministry that they certainly do enjoy and think that it is going to last forever if we just find the right successors, if we just select the right people to succeed. Regardless of who is selected to do what, where, when, with what funding, with what capital resources, regardless of that, the Lord Jesus will do his work. 
and he will be actively involved in our lives individually and personally, discipling and training and raising up people to perform his work as he sees fit. He is actively doing that right now, and he will continue to do that until he returns to establish the Messianic Kingdom. That is what he is doing, and is a very humbling experience, especially for someone like myself, who is operating Living God Ministries, and I look at the organization that I am building through the contributions that people are making and through the work that we are doing. Because of those contributions, we're able to perform this work, and it's easy for me to think about the future and wonder how this ministry will survive in the future. But in doing so, I'm not acknowledging that the Lord Jesus may be performing a work with me and this organization right now, but in the future this organization may not exist at all. It may not operate at all. The materials that we are producing may become scarce collector's items in the future. We have no idea what the Lord Jesus may do with the work that we are doing now. I have no idea who may or may not be a successor of the work that I am doing. We should not be concerned about these things. We should not be questioning these things. We should not be building assets for the ministry for the purpose of such longevity. We should simply be focused on the work that we are doing right now, that the Lord is doing within and through us, and leave the results to Him, and allow Him to do the work that He wants to do, understanding fully that the Lord Jesus will choose who He will do what at the appropriate time, in order to continue the propagation of the gospel and the important truths that will set people free in light of what Christ Jesus has done for us. That's so very important to keep in mind and remember as we perform any work that we are doing on his behalf through the inspiration that he gives us as he directs us and guides us throughout our daily lives. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is so critical for all aspects of our daily life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, for example, it says this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. A person cannot understand the things of God without the Spirit of God indwelling within them. That's the issue. Before the disciples received the Spirit of God, they could not understand the things of God. After they received the Spirit of God, they could begin to understand the things of God, but certainly not everything as they are first born again as a believer. Would you expect someone today to be born again of the Spirit of God by believing the gospel if they did that right now at this moment? Would you expect them to be completely mature in their faith, having a complete revelatory understanding of all aspects that relate to the Scriptures and our life in Christ Jesus as he has now given us an inheritance to walk in and live in in our daily lives? Certainly not. They're just a baby in Christ, and we anticipate that they will mature and grow over time as they engage the world before them and live their daily lives. The disciples experienced that. We experienced that. And others in the future will experience that. It is truly a life to be lived, a life to be enjoyed, being guided and directed individually and personally by the very Spirit of God, the Lord Jesus himself. That's a life to be lived, and that is what the Lord is doing in order to actively participate in our lives to enjoy us, so that we can enjoy Him and experience a personal interactive relationship with our Creator. 
That's what he is doing, and however he does it, we can trust that he will do it, and we can be at peace knowing and understanding that we can truly trust in him, that if he tells us to go and wait and pray, we can go and wait and pray. If he tells us not to do anything, we can do nothing, with full peace in our heart, rejoicing with what he may do in the future. And if he does direct us to do something, we can do so with great conviction, trusting that regardless of what the outcome may be, we can believe and trust that the Lord our God is actively involved in seeing that things will take place precisely how he wants them to take place. And we can enjoy being active participants with him in the work that he is doing here on earth. The Lord Jesus told the disciples to wait for him in Jerusalem, to wait for the Holy Spirit who would be given to them, who would be restored to them so that they could be resurrected from the dead and have the presence of the living God indwelling within them. He told them to wait for him, to wait on the Lord Jesus, to wait for the Holy Spirit. He did not tell them to have a prayer meeting or have a committee meeting. He did not tell them to make sure that they would go back and select a twelfth person who could testify with them as a replacement for Judas. He did not tell them that, but that's what they did. And even though they did that, regardless of whether he directed them or or if he did not direct them, that really wasn't the important issue. The important concern is to simply acknowledge and understand that he just told them to wait. And at the appointed time, the Lord Jesus intervened and provided them with everything they needed for the next transition that they would experience as they were born again of the very Spirit of God. We also are often faced with similar circumstances, and it can be very difficult to wait for the Lord Jesus to perform his work, especially given the enthusiasm that we often have wanting to be active participants in the miracles that we know that he is going to perform. But the reality is that we can truly trust him to complete the work that he began. And in the meantime, when we seem to have some extra time in the interim between those moments when he intervenes and actively participates in the way that we can see, we should truly enjoy these moments and be thankful for everything that he has already done and be thankful for all those things that we know that he will do in the future and wait patiently, enjoying the knowledge that he is actively working and we have a moment to be thankful to be at rest, to be at peace with the great expectation of what he will do in our lives. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you.